You are listening to episode 23, Health, Wellness, and Weight Loss with Dr. Katherine Toomer. We're discussing how a health scare in her mid-30s was a catalyst to transforming her life and how she practices medicine. In the United States, cardiovascular disease is now the leading cause of death in pregnancy and the postpartum period. It accounts for almost 27% of pregnancy-related deaths. And black women's risk of dying from cardiovascular disease is three to four times higher than that of a white woman. One type of cardiovascular disease that you will hear us discuss is peripartum cardiomyopathy. Peripartum cardiomyopathy is a weakness of the heart muscle that by definition begins sometimes during the final month of pregnancy through about five months of after delivery without any other known cause. Most commonly, it occurs right after delivery. It is a rare condition that can carry mild to severe symptoms. And some mild symptoms may reflect that third trimester of pregnancy, swollen feet, fatigue. One indication of the seriousness of the condition can be measured by something called the ejection fraction, the percentage of blood the heart pumps out with each beat. A normal ejection fraction number is about 60%. The risk of dying from postpartum cardiomyopathy is much lower than we previously thought, ranging up to about 20%. The risk is higher in patients with a lower heart function at the time they're diagnosed. On average, it takes patients with postpartum cardiomyopathy from two to nine months to recover their heart function, and an additional recovery may take up to one or even one year or even longer. Okay, now that you have a little background, let's get to it. Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants, let's get going. Welcome Sky community to another exciting episode of Sky Women. I am thrilled that you are with us today. We have a special guest, Dr. Katherine Toomer. Dr. Toomer is a community health and family medicine physician who has spent the last 25 years learning and implementing holistic approach to healthcare. This really started with her life-threatening health crisis and developed into a weight loss program for herself that she has now defined into a whole wellness program that she does online and with counseling and coaching service. Welcome, Dr. Toomer. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your business and the services that you provide. Well, what I provide is a pretty comprehensive approach to health, wellness, and to weight loss. So I I look for anything medical that could be going on. I pay a lot of attention to a person's biology first. Then I address any wellness issues because psychological changes, depression, anxiety, ADHD, a lot of different things affect what our body does with food. And so I screen for that and then address anything I find first, because I find that when I do that, the weight loss tends to follow. If there is no other reason that I find, then of course I address eating, I address nutrition, address mindset, and essentially primarily empower people. I don't want to be the reason that people lose weight because then they need me to do it. So my goal is to get people on their own as quickly as possible so that they can do what's necessary, pivot at any time for the rest of their life. And so my general philosophy is whatever you're doing now, you should be able to do when you're 90. And then that way, 
people lose weight long-term. Oh, I love that approach. That's so good. Okay. And so you are not providing actual medical treatments. You are looking overall. Can you kind of explain that to us? Because it's more coaching versus telemedicine, right? It's both. Okay. Actually, depending on where someone's located, depending on it's case by case. And so if I find something, I give a medical recommendation and depending on where the person is and, you know, I'll treat it, it depending on, and whether I can based on licensing and the rest. And that includes anything. I'm also trained in, in, in psychology. So I do treat a lot of behavioral health things and I definitely recognize when it's out of my realm and refer. So I do a lot of referrals also, but I, so I treat, I coach, and I also do a lot of consulting. I get physicians in the community who refer their patients to me. A lot of orthopedic surgeons who patients need to lose weight before getting hip replacements or knee replacements. Recently, because of insurance changes and uh, gastric bypass or gastric uh, bariatric surgery being covered by insurance, there's a six-month requirement of weight loss and psychological counseling that has to happen before insurance will cover it. So I'm also getting those referrals as well. So it just depends on what I get and with each person is different. So there's no one way that I approach a problem. Awesome. So it really is an integrative approach where you're looking Mm -hmm. at the mind, body, and spirit. Yes. I love it. Okay. So let's backtrack and Mm -hmm. talk about how this all came into being because you have a really fascinating story. And I love a good birth story. So let's hear it. (laughs) Well, I'll go back a little bit farther. I started med school, got married at around the same time. So I gained a little bit of weight then eating like my husband, (laughs) then started stress eating through residency and then got pregnant my last year, uh, my third year, gained more weight from there, started a new job, you know, traveled a lot during for that. And I looked up and I was, went from being somewhat athletic to having a BMI around 40. So I was obese and then got pregnant with my second child. Now I was already on the verge of diabetes. I was probably full blown diabetic, but I was kind of wishing away my pathology up to that point. But when I got pregnant, I could not deny, I couldn't ignore it anymore. So, and had severe gestational diabetes and was on insulin because of that. When I had my daughter, I couldn't come off it. My blood sugars never normalized. So I was on insulin then. And a month after she was born, I was diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy. Oh, that's Um, scary. Yeah. My ejection fraction was 15%. Wow. Um, Okay. And so fill everybody in. Normal ejection fraction is? 55 or above, around 50, 55. Your heart was weak. (laughs) Very weak. It was floppy. So basically what happened, my heart went to three times its normal size. The muscles couldn't contract like they were supposed to, to push blood through my body. And so instead the fluid, my blood backed up into my lungs. Mm. And so as a result, my oxygen levels dropped. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't walk. And even after treatment, I improved some. I was alive, which for anyone who, who doesn't know, like one third of uh, women who get peripartum cardiomyopathy either die or need a heart transplant. And they thought that I was going to fall into that group. 
And I knew the statistics. So I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> really scared. And so I was diagnosed. I was treated, but I still couldn't function. I couldn't stand up and brush my teeth at the same time. I needed help to bathe. I had a newborn and a toddler. And yeah. I, I really couldn't do much of anything. I was pretty much dependent on my husband and other help to just to get through the day. And I knew I had to do something. I couldn't control what my heart was doing, but I knew I could get my diabetes under control. I had actually helped my father come off his diabetic medication. So I knew it was possible and I knew how to do it. I just wasn't doing it. And I was tired. I was overwhelmed, scared. and. Even with when looking at my babies, I still couldn't bring myself to do what was necessary, even though I didn't even control what, what I was eating really what was being cooked. But I just had such a hard time kind of overcoming what the psychological impact of what was happening. Don't you think that it is as a new mom, mm -hmm. right? And then having this major health issue on top of it, I just feel mm -hmm. like it's already hard enough being a yes. tired working mom with mm -hmm. young kids that are demanding, mm -hmm. not getting a full night's sleep. And here you're trying to cut, recover from a major, you know, postpartum cardiomyopathy is mm -hmm. big. And yeah. I would say months to years, possibly in recovery. Right. Mm -hmm. yes. And somehow you now are supposed to find that drive instead of the poor pitiful me, right? Because that would be an easy place to go yes. to say, let's find this drive to change mm -hmm. my life. Like I have the power to change my mm -hmm. life. What can I do here? Do Well, one of the first things I did is that I really looked at the psychological impact of what was happening. And I addressed that first because I knew that if I didn't, it would be hard for me to maintain the motivation that I needed to take care of everything else. And so the first thing I did is I got my, my depression treated. I went to counseling and I got on medication. Yeah, that's key. And so once I did that, I felt a little more empowered. And then from there, I started essentially doing, practicing what I preached, <laughs> you know, watching my carbohydrates, managing my protein. But one of the things I found, even when I went to dietitians, that the standard for diabetes did not work for me. I was still out of control, even when I followed it to the letter. And so I realized that I needed to do something a little bit different. And so I started playing around with my food and different things, keeping track of what I was doing, and uh, eventually started to see success. And of course, with diabetics, as you control your blood sugars, your weight comes off. And so I lost 60 pounds and my blood sugar is normal. 60. Mm -hmm. and another 15 cents, but I, I've lost a 60 and then my blood sugars were under control. I found that of course, with my body being lighter, my heart did less work. So I was starting to recover a little bit. I still wasn't completely out of the woods, but the empowerment helped because suddenly I wasn't as scared. I wasn't as overwhelmed. And of course, you know, it would come and go, but I realized that the psychological component was the biggest hurdle for me. Once I got over that hurdle, the physical stuff followed pretty easily. Okay. I think that this is a really unique point that we don't talk about enough. And I love mm -hmm. that you're addressing this because it is true. If we don't take care of our mind, if our mental health is not in the right place, we're mm -hmm. not going to take care of our body. Exactly. 
And one of the things that I found, and I actually started to notice this even with my patients, that I would have patients who are just terribly non-compliant. And even though no matter what I said, you know, I was like, if you don't take your medicine, you will die. And they still wouldn't take their medicine. And then I realized that it wasn't about the medicine. It was about the diagnosis causing depression and not addressing mm -hmm. that depression. Once I addressed their psychological reaction to their diagnosis, their compliance changed. And I remembered that with myself. I was like, if I really want to do what I need to do, I need to focus on the reasons that I'm not doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it was fear. Right. And that fear came from, and fear and depression kind of mingle. Depression changes your inner dialogue. And so it's easy to tell yourself a lot of things that you know, may or may not be true. They're your truth at the time, obviously, because you're feeling it, but it's not permanent. It can't be changed. It can't be shifted. And that's what I focused on. So that was the turning point for you. Mm -hmm. So are you on diabetic medication now? or I am only because I was off completely. And of course, over time, as anyone who you know, knows a lot about diabetes, as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to control with diet and exercise. And I found that when I hit menopause, because I'm 55 now, this happened when I was 35. Mm -hmm. I found that when I hit menopause, it became much, much harder for me to keep my diabetes under control without going down to a weight that was unhealthy for me. So every time I started getting out of control, I would lose some more weight and it would control it. I would lose more and control it. And then I got to a point where I just couldn't lose anymore because when I did, I started feeling weak. And so at that point, I just bit the bullet and said, okay, you have to start taking something. And being both parents, being, uh, you know, being diabetic, every one of my siblings, <laughs> sort of a- Your genetics were I'm set just, up for I'm, it. Yeah. Um, every- <laughs> Every single member of my family, in fact, my father was the only male in his family to live past 60 and four generations because wow. he got his diabetes and hypertension under control. And all of his brothers died from complications. All of that's, them. That's big. Seven, seven brothers. Wow. All died in their 50s. And you helped him get there. Yeah, yeah. That's and then I real, and, but, did, but didn't do it for myself, even though I knew it. <laughs> so I had to. Okay. So, so finally, give me the time frame. Okay. So you're 35 when this happens to you mm -hmm. and how many years did it take you to kind of come around and lose the 60 pounds? It took me six months. The wonderful thing about diabetes is that when you get it under, it's quick. You can get it under control rather quickly if you do what's necessary. And once that happens, your body just kicks right in. So I lost the weight rather quickly. Losing the weight is actually relatively easy. It's keeping it off that becomes the problem. And so much of my focus after that became not getting complacent. Sure. And falling so, back into those same stress eating patterns mm -hmm, and all the things yeah. that you do that self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although one of the things I realized is that I learned how to embrace my habits. And so I am a stress eater. I am still a stress eater, but I've changed what I eat when I stress. Ah. So I, because I was like, I'm not going to be able to, I was like, that's just too much work to try and just go against all my programming I've had for my whole life. So rather than grabbing, you know, cakes or grabbing cookies, you know, I grabbed carrot sticks and hummus. 
I can go through a whole tub of hummus <laughs> when I'm stressing, yeah. but it doesn't do anything. Or, you know, bean soup is another one. I just, I love bean soup, but I find that I need something crunchy. And so, so you're saying I, though that yeah. what I hear you saying as we're applying this to other individuals is that you can own who you are and those little mm -hmm. flaws as we, you know, might mm -hmm. label them, but how do we make them work for us? For us, exactly. Right. So my philosophy is no one has bad habits. They just have habits that need to grow up. And we just, it's just a matter of helping them mature to a different kind of habit so that it helps rather than hurts us. I like that. Okay. Okay. So you did this for yourself. How mm -hmm. did it evolve over time in your practice of medicine? Well, I, because I'm a community health physician, I did work in community health centers. So I, I worked with underserved populations, primarily in South Carolina, in rural areas, semi-rural areas. And there is, in trying to help people, I would always focus on the cause. I was like, why is this happening? And so often the why was weight. And so I would try really hard to help people overcome their issues by helping them lose weight or by adjusting, you know, just adjusting things so that their, their weight wouldn't be affected by medications or other different, different things. But I just simply didn't have time. It became more and more frustrating because as anyone in medicine can tell you, based on the reimbursement from insurance companies, you have to see a certain number of patients in an hour. Otherwise, you can't keep your lights on. So what I did, I was becoming burned out. And one day, actually, my cardiomyopathy actually has not gone away. One of the middle third where I'm still medicated, I'm functional, and I can do all the things that I need to do. And I'm very fortunate in that. But I'm still very cognizant of the fact that I have a heart condition. And so when I hit a wall at work one day, I thought, you know, why am I killing myself? I'm not going to be any good to my family, to my patients, if I'm not here. Right. And so I left clinical medicine in that realm and opened up a micro practice and uh, where I could spend an hour with patients, where I could, you know, focus on weight loss. And that's why my actual business is health, wellness, and weight loss centers, because that's the order that I focus on health, then wellness, then weight loss. Awesome. And so, so initially, of course, people came through the door because they wanted to lose weight. And I would, look at everything. And I would find a lot of diabetes that people were walking around with undiagnosed and a lot of thyroid disease, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. So it just sort of reinforced that I was doing the right thing, that this was where I should be and this is what I should do. And then when COVID hit, I closed my office because I was too high risk uh, given my heart condition to see patients. Sure. And so I went online and the beauty of that is that suddenly I was having people from all over the world asking me for help. That's and so awesome. I, it, I expanded during COVID because now I pretty much see people and help people now from anywhere. So yeah. you can see people in the coaching realm mm -hmm. globally, I'm assuming. Yes. But yes. if we're doing medical diagnosis and treatment, they have to be in a state that mm -hmm. you are licensed. So what states are you licensed in? Well, the diagnosis I can still do. I okay. still diagnose people because I can I, I can send test results, tell tests electronically anywhere in the country. And so I can get those back and I can make recommendations. 
and then I make those recommendations and they and then people take that rec those recommendations to their doctor. So it becomes more of a consultancy rather than a coaching. Here we go. Okay. And it's up to them then to decide how they want to proceed. So I make medical recommendations. I make I diagnose, make recommendations as to medications that could work, make recommendations of maybe changes in their medic on their medication if I think their medication might be causing some of the issues that they're having. And then I put together a program, but it's it's comprehensive. And so uh, the only time that I do coaching, like strict coaching, is when is only when it comes to the motivational part. It's like, you know, anyone who does coaching knows you're part cheerleader, part psychologist, part, you know, right. <laughs> try, you know, transformer. And so that's a small component that comes later after the medical stuff. Sure. I really love this approach. I do. I think that our mood and our mindset impacts mm -hmm. everything more than we give mm -hmm. it credit, right? Yeah. Um, and we, there's a lot of self sabotage going on or negative mm -hmm. self talk. And if you mm -hmm. can address it from the beginning and really look mm -hmm. at the root cause analysis as you're doing, because I find that so many patients want an easy answer to their weight, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But you're saying we're going to get deep in this. Mm -hmm. We're going to figure this out mm -hmm. and it's multifaceted. It's not one yep. thing. It's mm -hmm. all the things together. Exactly. And it's surprising that how sometimes it is rather simple. It's not always easy, but it's very simple. There's a simple answer. Most of the time, I would say nine times out of 10, people know the answer. Uh, they'll come to me and say, I think I'm, I'm diabetic, or I think I have a thyroid issue. And I was like, have you been tested? Yes, but I was told my numbers are normal. Well, then I look at their numbers. And often one of the things that is interesting with weight is that uh, in medicine, we're taught to treat when certain numbers reach a certain level. But from the time of normalcy to that level is sometimes five years of waking. And so I just start treating a lot sooner and then it just prevents that weight gain. And once that weight gain is stopped, it makes it easier then to go into the next step of stopping the weight gain, losing any that's necessary, and then keeping it off because prevention is so much easier than a cure. Absolutely. I love preventative medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us how coaching is filling the gaps in health and wellness. What coaching has done is it has filled in the space that most physicians want to be in, but just simply don't have the time. And it is the part where it's the intangible parts that medication cannot and testing can't do. There's a big gap between knowing what something is and being able to do something about it. There's a lot of education. There's a lot of guidance. There's a lot of support that's needed that's needed in between. and Many of us, most of us who go into medicine want to heal. We're healers, we're helpers, we're problem solvers, and we're just often not given the time. So coaching fills in that time. It gives the time that, you know, most others just don't have. Yeah. So what's the natural progression for you to transition to the micro practice and the coaching aspect? Or do you feel like you kind of went kicking and screaming? Because oh, stepping natural. out the side of the box in medicine is hard, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's looking at you going, yes. why are you doing this different? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it was easy. One of the things that I had already intended on doing when I started medicine, I planned on working part-time. 
I already said I wasn't going to do full-time medicine because there were so many other things I wanted to do within communities. And I didn't think I would have time to do it all and have a family and do, you know, the family I wanted. And so I was actually working part-time in medicine. I did a lot of community education. I would give classes all over, you know, any, many churches would contact me to talk about diabetes, hypertension, or anything, just anything their health ministries wanted me to. I would put on talks, other talks and other uh, classes. And so being able to do that with individuals was wonderful because that was a natural, that, that was where my, some might say my zone of genius was, is educating about health. Right. And so what I immediately recognized was that in order for me to have a schedule that I wanted, in order for me to function on my own terms, I was going to have to have entity with very low overhead. And so that's what I did. So that's why I created a micro practice rather than a full blown practice, because I could do everything, all my own intake, all my own paperwork, everything. I was my nurse, my phlebotomist, my thing. I did it all myself. So that when COVID hit, I only had one person to worry about, and that was me. And my overhead was so low that actually I was able to keep my office open so that if anything changes, all I have to do is slide right back in. Right. That's awesome. So I think that this applies across specialties, across Mm -hmm. professions, right? Mm -hmm. Like you intentionally chose to live life on your own terms and you Mm -hmm. continue to, and it's evolved over the years. I kind of like that message too. (laughs) And you know, there's some sacrifices that you have to make. I mean, if there's certain lifestyle choices that you make now it for full disclosure, my husband's also a physician. So, you know, my income was not the only income for my family. So that of course made a difference, but it still is a bit of a shock when you go from making a full physician salary to suddenly starting a business and having no income whatsoever. So actually what I did on the interim, I actually worked in a urgent care center. Sure. And so what I did is I actually, my first few months of my micro practice were being financed by my urgent care work. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in the thick of so, that right now. So I get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know how that works. So yeah. Um, but but okay. you know, flexibility is necessary. You have to be flexible in order to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am excited to learn more. I would love for you to tell us where our guests can find you. Where they can find me is online, uh, chtumormd.com. And that's T-O-O-M-E-R. My email is chtumormd at gmail.com. And I'm also on Facebook as C. Harmon Tumor MD. So any one of those places is a good start. And then you can go from there. Okay, awesome. And I'll leave those links in the show notes so that everyone can find you. And the name of your business is? Health, Wellness, and Weight Loss Centers. Oh, very direct. Tells us what you do. There's a page. (laughs) I have a page on, on, on Facebook that as well. So, okay. you know, that's another way of contacting me um, okay. through my business page. Well, I applaud you on your perseverance and your grit and now taking what you've learned in optimizing your health to others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Tumor. Thank you. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. 
This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.